Tonight we're going to um, talk just for two weeks, tonight and next week, just about the Christmas story. And if you are like me, where you spent, you've spent more time on a Sunday usually at church than at home, like you will have been at church and grown up in church, then you probably could get up here and tell me the Christmas story just as well as I can tell you the Christmas story. But I think it's important in this time of year just to look at a couple of things, just to review it a little bit. And I want to start out um, today by asking the question, have you ever, have you ever experienced something that was so good, so epic, so incredible that it just made it really hard to explain? Something where, where, like, when your friends would ask you about it, like, like yo, tell me, tell me about what went down last night. Tell me about that concert. Tell me about that roller coaster. Tell me about that experience. You're just like, dude, I, 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 there's no words to describe how amazing. You just had to be there. You just have to go on the rock. You just have to experience it. One thing that happened uh, to me over the last couple weeks where I had this, man, you just have to experience moment wasn't actually me experiencing anything, but rather watching a close friend of mine experience something. And that close friend of mine, his name is Ben, and you know him well. And he decided he thought he could eat the hot chip. You know, the one chip challenge. Like he said, I can eat this chip. If you don't know what it is, it's one Dorito sized black chip of death that will literally set your insides on fire. And the goal is to eat it last five minutes without anything to drink. It was pretty anticlimactic. It was the worst chip challenge I think I've seen ever. But literally Ben drank that whole, uh, that whole milkshake. Then he went to the bathroom and he puked. Uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. And then, um, and then he came back and he chugged some waters. And then the next day he said that his stomach, he thought, was actually angry at him and uh, w- was doing all sorts of convulsions for, for literally the next 24, 48 hours. Now, saying all that, I actually can't relate to that experience because I've never done the hot chip challenge. Like that is one of those things, like may it be a prime example of one of those things that you literally, to know what he's feeling, to know what he's experiencing, you have to go buy one of those $15 chips, crack that thing open and eat it down. You have to experience it. There's no way that you can even compare it or I could explain it. And when I come to the Christmas story, what what really hit me this year is that this is also something that I can't just explain to you. That I can't just tell you, yo, yo, check this out. Like, this is how it is. You should know. It's great. Yeah, you see it. You got it. Cool. It's great. You know it's great. Now I know it's great because I told you it was great. It doesn't work that way. Like, you have to experience a part of this as well. And I'm calling all of you church kids out. I'm, call, I'm one of them. I'm with you. But I know how you think. For you who have grown up in church, who have been to church so much, I'm calling you out tonight a little bit. But this is something you have to experience. It's not something that you just know with your head and completely understand. 
This is what it says, and it, it even talks about this invitation of experience in the Christmas story. So here's how, here's how it plays out. Let me give you the backstory. This is um, Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can open it. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, in those days, so in the time of Jesus' birth, which is like between 7 B.C. and 4 B.C. So if you go B.C., you count down. It's between 7 and 4 B.C. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. So all of Rome needed to be counted. They wanted to know how many people were in Rome. So for that to happen, everyone went to their own towns to register. So Joseph, who would be Jesus' earthly father, but really have nothing to do with Jesus being born, also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was crazy pregnant, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So pregnant Mary and Joseph go to their town to be counted. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let me ask you for a second. If you were God of the world, of the universe, if you were God of the universe, of this world, and you wanted to come into this world, how would you do it? My first guess is you would do it with clothes on, okay? God did not come into this world with clothes on. God came in as a small, naked, helpless baby. It's super interesting. Like, it's a complete opposite. Like, if I was coming to the world that I ruled as God, like, you better believe I'm coming in like thunder. People are going to know. There's going to be a lot of clapping, plenty of cheering. Oh, my goodness, he's here. Yes, I am. I'm coming with my clothes on. Like, you don't even go to your friend's house before you shower and, like, clean up and make yourself look cute. I'm looking at you girls because you do is you go nasty. You dirty. And Carl's like, what? Yeah, they do. They don't shower for days. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, guys, girls, I know you shower. Stop. But listen, when God of the universe, there's something in this. I need you to hear it. When God of the universe came into this world, he didn't come in with all the lights. He didn't come in with all the glory. He came in the most helpless, smallest, innocent form that you can possibly come into this world. Listen, listen. He came into the same world the same way that you and I did. That God of the universe chose to come into the world the same way that you and I did. Before this time, people believed God to be a distant, far-off God who was often angry and often mad at them, who rather had justice on his mind than relationship on his mind, that he, they believed God did not and could not ever look at them with anything but righteous anger. Till this point, till this moment for 400 years. And then God comes to earth, not as a righteous king ready to smack down, but rather as a baby the same way you and I did. Why did he do that? Why would a God do that? 
I believe our God would do that because he wants to communicate to us that he is not someone who's solely concerned about justice. Yes, he is a just God and justice will be served, but he's a God of grace and of mercy. He's a God who says, no, no, I want you to understand first that I love you and you get to choose that love should you choose it. You get the opportunity that in this Christmas story, you see something remarkable. That God came and he wrapped himself in skin. That we thank God, man, God, you don't know what I'm going through. God, you've never experienced what I'm experiencing. God, yeah, I get people say you have, but you never have. But no, if you look at the life of Jesus, what you see is when Jesus came to earth, he came innocently, but then he also experienced betrayal. That he also then experienced frustration. He also experienced temptation. That he also came and his best friend would see, he would see his best friends die. And as he grew older, he would experience rejection. But then he would also experience these times with his close-knit friend group. That he experienced the good things we've experienced and he experienced the worst things that we've experienced. That God chose to came, come in a way where he could relate exactly with what you're feeling and what you're going through. I just want you to take a minute. I don't care what you've heard previously about the Christmas story. I don't care what you've heard about um, any of this. I don't care your your, your preconceived thoughts. I want you just to eliminate those for a second. I just want you to think about what we see in this moment. Anything you came here with, any beliefs you thought about, just stop for a minute. Just pause them for a second. Don't eliminate them. Just pause them. And just listen. Just hear what, you, you, what is being said here in God's word. That God came to live and experience the exact things that we experience every day. Not because he had to, not because he deserved to, but because he loves you. That he came into a place of humility. He wasn't even born in a hotel. Not a hospital, not a house, not a hotel. He was born in a manger, in a stable. That it's this remarkable story, this remarkable picture of what God is like. That if you've ever questioned, man, is God angry? Is he just an angry God? Is he a God, a forgetful God? No, he's not. He's a God that's very much invested in your life. That very much cares about you specifically. But the story goes on. The story goes on and it's in Luke um, chapter two, verse eight. He says, there was these shepherds. There was these shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. I don't know if you've ever been camping, like in a field, like uh, the senior guys, we went camping in a field and, and um, a couple weeks ago, and it was like super wet and super cold. And me and my son, like I brought my four-year-old and we were camping. It was, so, it was like so much fun. But we went to bed a little earlier because we weren't keeping up with the senior dudes. They were staying up late doing things I can't mention. But as I'm like half asleep, One of the guys, I don't know who it was, comes around the back of my tent to their car 
They have to get something out. They open the door and they slam it shut. And I tell you what, I about jumped out of my tent. Like it scared me so, like I couldn't go to sleep for probably another 30 minutes. Like it startled me so badly. These shepherds were asleep in a field and angels came and shone all around them, terrifying. It says they were terrified and the only things the angels say at first is like, hey, don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? Because it's terrifying. It's the only point I was trying to make there. It says the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now here's the thing, I don't know what you've heard about God. I don't know what your thoughts are about God. But if it's not, that he is the God who brings great joy and good news. I'm betting what you heard is not 100% correct or what you're believing is not 100% correct. See, that was the whole point of Jesus coming was to be good news and to bring great joy. To be good news and to bring great joy. That, That was the point. That that was the purpose. So I just want you to take a moment for a second that if you're believing anything other than that about who God is and his purpose in your life, then you may need to rethink what you're believing and, and understanding about God, that he is the God of good news and he is the God of great joy. But then the scripture goes on. And it says, that, and we're going to speak on this a little bit next week. It says that the angels then invited the shepherds. And they told the shepherds, they said, hey man, here's what you need to do. There's going to be a star up in the sky and it's going to shine down on this specific barn. And in the barn, you're going to find a boy wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that is the Messiah, meaning that is God with you. That's the one. Man, you're invited to go check this out. And then the angels leave. They're gone. Shepherds are standing there like, what happened? Like, did you see that? And do we eat bad grass? Like, what's happening? And, and then they're faced with the option. See, and then they're faced with the option. Do we just go on what the angel said? It was like, man, that was really cool. Wow, that's cool. There's a guy, a baby over there. But man, seems like a far walk. And my sheep, what are they going to do? Should we go? My sandals kind of busted. Like, do we go? I don't know. Or, or do we accept the invitation? They were faced with the thought, hey, do we just hear about it or do we experience it? I need you to understand. Just hearing about it doesn't know justice. It's until you experience Jesus that you begin to understand what all the hype is about. See, just hearing it and thinking you're understanding all of it makes Jesus out to be kind of lame. But when you experience Jesus, then you understand, oh man, this is why people are hyped. This is now who I I get it. This is the guy I love. This is the God who loves me back. Then you understand it. In my house growing up for Christmas, my mom loved nativity scenes. That literally she would set up over a hundred, not joking, a hundred different nativity scenes. 
And every year, people would like give her new ones because they knew she loved them. And so then we would go around the house and we would begin to try to count all of the nativity scenes. When my friends would come over, we'd like have a contest. Who can count all of the nativity scenes? I mean, like, uh, like 100, 120 nativity scenes all over our house. Just seeing 120 nativity scenes does nothing for you to experience the birth and, and, and the narrative of Jesus. That that's just hearing about it. But there's an invitation. There's an invitation that says, hey, will you go and see for yourself? Will you go and see for yourself? Will you follow the example of the shepherds? See, the shepherds, they didn't hesitate. They said, what? The Messiah? Dude, I'm going. And so they got up, they left their sheep, they left their things, they left their knapsacks, whatever they got. They left and they went to see the Messiah, the God with us, because they were invited and they wanted to experience what all the hype was about. They didn't just want to hear about it, they wanted to see him. My question for you is, are you living in an environment where you're cool with just hearing about it? Or are you in a place where you're like, no, no, I want to see Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. I want to know Jesus. See, here's where I'm going to call you out, church kids, and I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. That we get in a place and in a routine where people are constantly preaching Jesus at us. And we begin to tone it out. And so what happens, and some of you are, are in this place too, where, where what happens is you think you've experienced all that Jesus has to offer because of all the things people have told you. But really what's only happened is you've learned a lot of knowledge and it's never trickled its way down to your heart. See, until the truth of Jesus moves from head to heart, from, from understanding to true conviction, to understanding to understanding true need for him, until it moves down, you'll never experience all that Jesus is. And some of you think you have, and it's a scary place because you believe, oh, this is all Jesus is. I've heard about it. I read about him. I, okay, okay, I got it. Wow, he was born. That's cool. Died, rose again. Great. What? So what does that have to, I'm going to that party. I'm going to that girl's house. I'm going to that whatever. I'm going to that whatever. Because we think we've experienced all that Jesus has to offer. And God's word is very clear. That man, his, his life changes our life. That it should give us a heart of flesh and remove a heart of stone. That it should cause us to love the things that he loves. It talks about often in God's word that we become a tree who bears the fruit of our roots. And it says when your roots are planted in Christ, when you understand who God is and who he calls you to be, when you understand your sinfulness and his greatness, it says then you begin to naturally, without being able to help it, bear good fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, that you begin to bear these things. But it comes to an experience of Jesus, not through just a hearing of Jesus. So here's how you experience him then. Here's how you experience him. I'm gonna encourage you to do two things. Number one is by showing up, that you keep showing up. 
that you make meetings with God where you say, God, I want to meet with you. I want to open my word to you. I want to open my mind and my heart to you. God, I want to lift up my, my longings to you. God, I want to, I want to share the convictions and the, and the fears and the hurt to you, God. I want to meet with just you. Man, I want to worship you. You set these times where you can meet with God and then you show up to the meeting. Hey, God, I'm going to do that in the morning. God, I'm going I'm to show up. God, I'm going I'm to plan a meeting with you. And then in the morning, you show up. You come to the meeting you set with God. And then you do it the next day. And then you show up to things like this, where other people are trying to do the same things you are, where they're trying to experience who God is and meet with God. And you show up to that too. And you continue to show up. And you're gonna have bad days, you're gonna have days where you feel like God is distant, but you trust that, hey God, you are near because your word says you're near, and guess what you do? You show up, you keep showing up. You keep setting meetings with God and you keep showing up. God's word says if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be answered. That when you come to him, that he answers and you find him. But some of you are okay with just hearing about it and not actually finding him. And the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus is about a group of people who begin to find Jesus and not just hear about him in the Old Testament prophets. The second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is that you would ask questions. I don't ever want to be a part of a church. I don't want to ever be a part of a group. I don't want to ever be a part of anything that says, hey, you're not allowed to ask questions. Man, I want you to ask questions. If you are curious, if you, if you are doubtful, if you have things on your mind or on your heart about God's word or about who God is or about his plan for your life, ask those questions. And don't be okay with an I don't know. Don't settle in your own heart. Man, I don't really get it. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Find the answers to your questions. Ask your small group leaders. That's what they're there for. Ask your parents. That's what they're there for. Ask people in your life who are following Jesus, who you look up to. Ask them. Ask questions. Continue to show up. Continue to ask questions. You want to go and see for yourself. Do those two things. And God will begin to, you, not reveal himself, but rather you'll begin to see God in a new way, I believe. Because I want you to know, my whole goal, is I want you to know the love and the grace and the forgiveness that comes to Christ and Christ alone. I want you to recognize who you are. We all know we're sinful. Some of us just try to hide it and act like we're not, where others of us say, no, I recognize I am, and God, I recognize that you've come to deal with that. And that we would stand in a place where we'd get to deal with it. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna go to our small groups, get to talk about it a little more. If you bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we love you. We thank you for inviting us in to experience you, not just to hear, not just to come to these places and, and watch other people experience, but God, you are calling us individually to experience you. God, may you help us in that because we can't even do that on our own. God, may you build in us a curiosity. God, may we have a craving and a desire to know you in a deeper and richer way. God, we love you. Thank you for all you're doing. I see you'd bless this time together.
In Jesus' name, amen.